Hello and a big welcome to all of you out there who are here today to listen and see us. And today we have a special guest. It is Hannah Sapletal. And uh, please tell us a little about yourself and where you are and everything. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. So my name is Miss Hannah. Everybody calls me that since I was a little girl. And the we live here in Georgia in the United States. And we're about an hour north of Atlanta. And we do, we have many horses. We have 34 horses on the farm right now. And we have pigs and goats and cows and sheep and all kinds of creatures. And so we're one of the last big farms in this area because as this area has gotten more, more commerce, more jobs, it's one of the fastest growing areas in all of the United States. And so a lot of the big farms, unfortunately, have been eaten up with homes now. So like we, there's a joke here that says, you know, we don't grow cows anymore. We grow houses. And oh, wow. so it's pretty sad, actually. But, you know, all the big farms are, are now, you know, seven and eight hundred homes instead of big pastures. So we're wow. very fortunate that we're one of the last big farms in this area. And so people come and, and they're like, oh, my goodness, this place is so peaceful and quiet because it feels like you're in the middle of nowhere. But in reality, we're still only an hour from Atlanta. And there's this huge infrastructure of people around us. But we're still like this little iceberg of farm paradise in the middle of all the craziness. And wow. so it's been really great to encourage people to come and visit and just walk on the land and see the animals and, and whatnot. Wow. Do you have an, an open area where you have all the horses or, or how, how do you keep them? Yes. So our horses live outside 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the whole year. Our winters are very mild. And so we have freezing temperatures during the nighttime for a couple of weeks, but then in the day it warms back up again. And so everybody lives outside. They have big run-in sheds that'll accommodate 10, 12 horses at a time. And so we have 10 different pastures and some of them are quite large and some of them are, are quite small. And so depending on what the animals need, like for example, most of our herd are geriatrics. They're over 20 years old and many, many of them are over 25 years old. And so they live in groups according to what they eat. And so if they have, they need a lot more support because their teeth wear down as they get older. If they need like a wetter food, then they live in a different group than those that don't require that as much to maintain their health. But they live in these great big pastures, most of them. And like this morning, we had a beautiful rain and it's, it's cool and the wind is whipping and the horses were playing and jumping and running with their tails over their backs. And they were having such a good time. And it's so fun to get to see them enjoying living with their families. And because horses were designed to live in family groups. And even though they're not, most of them are not blood related, they're still. It's a herd. Yeah. Now you sound disappeared. Did you click on something? I can't hear you. Try to Sorry about that. I had a call come through and it was trying to trying to ping me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, now it's go. good. Yeah. Okay, good. And uh, and so it was it was fun to get to see them. But people can come. They walk around. Strangers show up at the farm all the time, and they're like. Can we walk at the seeing the horses? Can we go down and see the pigs? Can we go down and see the cows? 
And it's wonderful that they can get to see the real animals because many people have not seen the real animals. No. They get to see, you know, on TV, but not a real cow or a real chicken or it's quite fascinating how many people have not seen any of that stuff. Wow. Which is sad. Yeah, it really is. Um, but but how do you, you talk about your horses is old? Uh, do you have young horses as well? Or, or what is it you? We have, so we have 34 horses on the property. We have a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, two 11-year-olds, and then all the rest are in their late teens and mid-20s. So we have a couple that bring our average down number-wise on how okay. they are. <laughs> Most of them are all. In the past, we used to breed horses. We bred Arabian sport horses. And so uh, we have some of those youngsters that are now you know, 15, 18 years old. Uh, we bred a lot of horses back in the day. But when 2008, 2009, when the world economy fell apart, Young horses that would bring eight to twelve thousand dollars as weanlings, you couldn't give away because nobody oh. wanted them, oh. and so stop breeding horses because you couldn't make any money on them. And then what do you do with them? And so many of them I've I've gotten back over the years, and so I think we have seven or eight now that we have that we bred, sold to people, and then now that they're old, people don't want them anymore, and then I get them back. Which is great because then it's like having your kids come home. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. So, yeah. so your horses don't work anything. They just they they don't live in the barn, but they work very hard. So I teach about 150 lessons a week, riding lessons, and so that's what the horses do for their work. So they teach. Uh, I have about six project horses right now that are the younger ones that I talked about that are horses that will eventually go into our lesson program, but aren't ready yet. They need about a thousand kilometers put on them first. And they have to go through a very rigorous training situation to make sure that they're safe for children to ride. And they have a very comprehensive step-by-step -step process that they have to go through to see if they even like the work. Because many horses, they don't want to do lessons and they want to do, they want one person or they want a, a specific job. And so I triage through these project horses and they have two years to tell me what they want to do. Like oh, where do they fit into the lesson program? Do they want to be ridden by little, little kids for beginner lessons? Or do they want to do more of like a kid that knows how to trot, but is not quite cantering yet? Do they want to be a cantering horse? Do they want to be a cantering horse that is like for brand new people just learning how to canter? Or do they want, want people that already know how to canter? Can they go on and jump for the cross rails? Could they do the two foot? Could they do the three foot? You know, what? where in the level do they want to fit in? And because there are many levels, there are many opportunities for the horse to say, I really don't like little kids. I prefer medium size that have some experience. Or I have other horses that are like, nope, we don't want to work that hard. We only want to work with the little kids. And so they find a job in between all those different levels. And uh, and so they live long and happy lives. They figure that most lesson horses can only handle being a lesson horse for five years before they're burnt out with people. And it's because, at least here in this country, they're overused. Yeah, You know, they yeah. do five, six, seven lessons a day, five, six days a week. There's no time off or very little time off. 
and they're used like a machine. And when they break, pitch them and get a new one. And that is not our philosophy. Our philosophy is I want the horses to last 30 years or longer. And so I'm very careful with how much they work. So if they work one, maybe two lessons a day, four days a week, they get time off. They get a month off during the year where they just, I send them to a friend's place where they just live in her beautiful pasture and don't see people. And then she feeds them, but nobody bothers them. Nobody does anything with them. They're just allowed to just relax, take a breath. And then when they come back in about a month's time, they're like, the people are here. The people are here. And yeah. so they're happy. Exactly. Instead of going, oh, the people are here. Yeah. And I want them to last a long time. So uh, one of our horses right now is an old horse called Dexter. He's been teaching with me since 2005. So, you know, it's a long time to have. And I own all of the lesson horses. They're not, they're not owned by boarders. And so it makes the teaching very consistent because the horses don't change and come and go the the tenured professors are the same professors that taught in 2005 still teach today and it gives a really con continuous continuity in the teaching staff because horses know more about horses than I will ever know about horses and so they can teach where way more than I can so yeah. just a different kind of philosophy. Yeah, really, really. Wow. Are you are you doing this by yourself or do you have help for the horses or uh kind of yes and no. Most of it I do myself. Like the actual horse care, I run the barn, make sure the farrier comes, the vet comes, the dentist comes, the chiropractor comes, the massage people come, order feed, fertilizer, stuff like that. My dad works at the farm also, and he runs a lot of the maintenance part of the farm, making sure that the fences are good, getting fertilizer out on the fields, spraying the fields, uh, that kind of stuff. And then we have... Um, another lady that is interestingly enough, she was one of my students when she was a little girl and then she grew up and now she's 28. She's married. She has a little boy that was born this past summer and she does our, we teach at a school two days a week, very elite private school, about 30 minutes from the farm. And so she runs that school program where we take horses from our farm, put them in the trailer, take them down to the school teach all day because the children at the school trade a physical education class for a riding lesson. And so we do their riding lesson inside of school, which is nice for the parents because then they don't have to drag the children after school. It's all done at the school. And then uh, she brings the horses back and then she helps me. Like for example, this Saturday we are away at a horse show. So I'm taking 20 students to a show and then Natalie will stay at the farm and teach the lessons on Saturday because there's about 30 kids that ride Saturday morning. And so she'll teach those lessons while I take the team to the horse show. So she that that's new within the last two years. She moved back to back to Georgia. She was out in Colorado and she called me and was like, hey, Hannah, <laughs> would you like a, a teammate? And I said, yes, absolutely. And so yeah. that's new within the last two years. Up until then, I did all the teaching. Wow. And uh, I started, in, in, yeah, in 1996, so a long time. Yeah. 
it is really really how how do you do the teaching is the kids uh, saddling the the horses mm -hmm. for themselves mm -hmm. or yeah, yeah okay yeah. So at the beginning of the week, I do a spreadsheet of what time the lessons are. So, for example, the lessons start Monday at 3.30, and they run every hour. So 3.30, 4.30, 5.30. And then in the, in the spring and in the fall, when the time hasn't changed yet, we oftentimes do a 6.30 also. And so the lessons run on the hour. So I go through and I'll put, like, let's say, rider number one has this horse, rider number two has this horse, and I assign the horses for the week. And that's posted on the board. And then the kids, when they come, especially kids that are not brand new, they can look and see, oh, I'm riding beauty today. Beauty is in pasture four. And then I have a picture of each horse on the board, like with the mag magnets that say beauty is in pasture four. So they can go out and catch her, bring her in. And then there's a cheat sheet on the tack room door that says beauty rides in saddle four, which is uh, and then this girth size, and then each each lesson horse has their own bridle. And so they can go ahead and get her bridled or get her groomed, get her saddled. And then I have people, usually I have a couple of volunteers that help up at the barn and they help get the horses, especially for new kids, get the horses caught, brought into the barn, saddled up, and then brought down to the arena. The arena and the barn are about 800 steps apart. So they're pretty far. And so they bring them down to the arena and we get everybody on, do the riding lesson, and then they ride back to the barn and put the horse away. Very rarely do the horses go back to back. So for example, like the 330 horse is not also the 430 horse. No. The, the 330 horse might come back at 530, depending mm -hmm. on what level they are. But rarely, rarely do they do 330 and 430. Most of the time they'll do a 330 and maybe the 530. Or maybe not at all. Um, depending on what level of rider is at that later spot. Yeah. So, but here with school, elementary kids to grade five get done at three o'clock. And then the older kids from the middle school, sixth grade to eighth grade, they don't get out of school until 4.30. So they must come later because school goes later. So the smaller children come earlier, the bigger children come later. And so, yeah. and that works. So. I love the fact that they have to settle themselves and yeah. and uh, do the things and groom and and everything. Yeah. I wrote an article. It was my first article that went viral. And the whole premise of the article was make them carry their saddle. And I can send it to you and you can post it if you want to. But the whole idea is, is that in real life, if you own a horse, the horse doesn't stand there saddled and waiting for you when you show up. No. You have to, you know, and you don't get the relationship with the horse if the horse is already ready for you and you just get on and go ride. There's there's a huge amount of work that goes into it and the responsibility of it and the care of the animal that people need that piece of it. Not yeah. to mention from a biology standpoint, breathing in the horse dust is so good for our physical bodies, mm -hmm. the bacteria that comes off of them and stuff that makes us healthier and live longer. That if your horse is, somebody else takes care of the horse, you don't get that benefit. And you know, the act of currying them and brushing them is yeah. so good for our yeah. physical bodies. And unless you intentionally exercise most modern day people now Europe is different because you can walk everywhere but here in the United States 
everything is so far away, even to go to the grocery store is a 20 minute drive. So you don't walk, wow. you know, most people will walk maybe two, 3000 steps a day. Hmm. And they recommend that most people should have 10,000 steps a day. Wow, that's right. Well, we just sit and hmm. sit and sit and sit, yeah. which is very harmful for your body. And so if they can, you know, when those little kids, they're carrying their saddle and they're trying, you know, and they can hardly carry it. But after a couple of months, you know, you can see them, they're carrying their saddle and they're walking out to their horse. And, yeah. and I always tell the parents, let them carry, make them carry their saddle because it'll help them in life where you can't carry the job for them. They have to do it. And uh, you see these little videos, you know, we take them as young as five for riding lessons at the farm. And so these little kids and they're carrying their saddle and they have their bridle and they have their saddle blanket. And, you know, it's really funny. Yeah, but it, it gets them so proud. I can do yeah. it myself. Exactly. Yeah. I do it myself. I do it myself. Yeah. And so it's so good for them. Yeah, because kids wants to work. They wants to be yeah. important and, and yeah. do the things themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we as parents have to let them do it yes. and let them struggle with it because we like to not let our children struggle and they need to, they need to learn how to work because this life is not easy. No, you know, life in general is not easy. So you have to get strong physically, mentally, and the horseback riding helps with that. Yes. Uh, and the connection and everything. Yeah. And uh, so it's fun. So writing lessons is one piece of our farm. We also do a lot of camp. So anytime the kids are off school, we'll do like a day where they learn how to feed the horses and how to take care of the other animals. Because on the farm, we also have, like I said, cows and goats and pigs and different things. Um, they learn how to do that. We have a brand new baby cow that was found wandering down the road, which is really weird. Nobody knows where he came from. Wow. And <laughs> yeah, it was very, very random. We called the sheriff's people came out. The, we called the commissioner. We called, you know, all the authorities. Nobody knows who this cow belongs to. So now he lives at our place, but he's, <laughs> you know, but he's little. And so he's on a bottle still every day. And yeah. so the kids learn how to hold the bottle for him because he's getting oh. bigger. And, but, you know, they don't ever get the chance to do that. And uh, we do that. We do a lot of birthday parties at the farm. And then on the other side of the farm, we have a sister company called the Main Event Equine Therapy. And with that, we run an uh, empowering struggling teen program for teenagers that have problems with anxiety and bullying and all the things, the peer pressure that teenagers especially have. And then we also work with military where people that are just coming back from deployment that are suffering from PTSD and all the traumas of war that we work with them with the horses. It's not a riding program. It's a, a experiential learning program on the ground that we've written for them. And we do that. We also work with our within our county uh, judicial system where people that have made a mistake, whether it was a DUI or a traffic violation or something, that they can come to the farm and do their community service. And it helps us because we always need help because there's all, you know, it's a big farm. It, mm. It's just under 40 acres, which is, let's see, a hectare is 2.5 acres. So, you know, pretty big farm. 
uh, 18 hectares, something along those lines. And yeah. so big, big farm. And so there's always work that needs to be done. And so it's good for us because we get to help people, you know, encourage them to come to the farm, to work at the farm. But it also is good for them because then we can sign off on their community service hours. And here, if you get into trouble, the judge will oftentimes assign you 30 hours, 50 hours, 180 hours, depending on what you did. Mm -hmm. um, as community service and so they can do their community service at the farm and it is it, it isn't any punishment to come to <laughs> you so. that's what people say they're like this is wonderful and uh, you know but but also they have to work physically hard whether it's cutting grass or they're weed eating yeah. or fixing fence but they come and they're like we thought that this would be a terrible thing that we, we were had that we have to do this, but this has been such a pleasure. Can we come back again? And I'm like, of yes. course. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh. And so it's re it's really great. So we have they, be to come they become criminal to get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to do something bad to come. Anybody can come. <laughs> And some of the jobs are not glamorous. Well, you know, if you're fixing fence, for instance, or we had a back at the end of July, we had a really weird storm hit the farm. And the some people said that we had a tornado. Some people say we had straight line winds, but we lost over 60 huge trees and the, it twisted the tops right off of them. And it did about 2000 feet of damage which is what 900 and something um no 600 meters of fence that came down that these trees just i mean it was a terrible storm yeah. and so um yeah two, 2000 divided by three so a lot of damage and the we had people come and help us put the fences back up and and we're still recovering from that we have huge burn piles that are i don't know 20 meters long by 20 meters wide that have to be burned this fall and to get rid of the wood because they're just, you know, all these trees that came down. So it's a tremendous amount of work to, to pick up after that storm. But, you know, we always encourage people to come help old people, young people, children and, and, and work. And it's, it's a fun work because you get to work as a team and, and whatnot. So there's always place for volunteers. So if anybody wants to come help, you know where we are. You know? <laughs> Yeah, because there's always a lot of work on a farm. Always, always. Yeah. So, so it is. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. People said, "Oh, you know, farming is so romantic," and it's like, well, oh, it is in yeah. some ways, but it's also a lot of work. <laughs> it is. How about the the cows and and all of them? Is that just living there, or you, or you get them for meat, or? Yeah. So because the slaughter laws changed here in the United States in the late 1990s, animals are, or horses don't qualify anymore as livestock. Oh. They're, com they're considered companion animals. Mm -hmm. And because of that, for tax purposes, like property tax purposes, we have to have cows to put the land into conservation, which means that we won't sell it to a developer that's gonna put houses on it. We're gonna keep it as a farm. And because they want farms left, they're trying to encourage the farmers not to sell the land and to keep it as a farm. So they're, they're willing to give some assistance in taxes. So for example, with a piece of property, our size 
the taxes on the property should be about $16,000 a year, which is a lot. Yeah. If you have cows, it drops the property taxes to $725 a year, Ooh. which is a tremendous savings. Yeah. So we, I didn't want cows. I don't really like cows, you know? <laughs> but I don't like paying $16,000 a year in taxes either. Oh. So we have to have between three and five cows. Right now we have six. Um, and then we use them for meat. We sell the, you know, we grow them, we buy them as, as babies and okay. then we grow them. And then when they're two, two and a half years old, then we send them to the butcher and then we bring in new cows and then do that again. So okay. we have to have, and same thing for the pigs. Yes. Um, we, we eat them ourselves, you know, so that way we have fresh organic meat ourselves because meat mm. is very expensive to buy. And then we yeah. also sell it to, um, to the local people. We don't put it in grocery stores because we don't produce enough, no. you know, two or three cows a year is not worth, you know, sending it to the butcher shop. But, you know, a lot of the families at the farm will buy the meat or I will post it on our Facebook page and local people can buy it. And I'm sure it's it's much better meat. Uh, yeah, they have a, a great life. They have space, <laughs> and yeah. yeah, they have a happy life. They get fed every yes. day. People come in and talk to them and pet them, and then one day they don't live there anymore. No. So comparatively speaking, to how a lot of beef and pork is raised, like mm. pork at least here in this country, they live in a in a little box, yeah. two foot by three foot, which is like what half a meter That's by three quarters of a meter, their yeah. whole life. And instead they live on a hectare of land and they run around and they play and they, mm. you know, play in the mud and, and get to be pigs or get to be cows. Yeah. And, and so they, they live a happy life and the meat tastes very different. It does. Uh, it, yes. Mm -hmm. Really? And so I had one family that was really angry with me because they were like, why do you eat them? I'm like, well, that's what else are you going to do with them? I mean, you could just have them live their whole life, but in the same breath, they're expensive to maintain. They're expensive yeah. to feed in the wintertime and stuff like that. And so it's a way of recouping some of the cost that keeps them, you know, and they serve a purpose and then they new ones come in and they live their purpose and then they come in again. Yeah. And I asked the lady, I said, well, do you eat meat? And, and, I, and she said, well, yes. I said, well, where do you buy your meat? She said, at the grocery store. Yeah. Like, well, where do you think the grocery store gets it? They don't grow on trees, you know. Oh. <laughs> So, but, but it's it's in philosophy. a it's in a plastic bag, so I don't exactly. know where it comes from. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but people are funny. Yes. People are funny. Uh, I I think in in that way it's it's pity to to kill the animals, but if you don't if you don't kill yours, they will kill kill another one. So, so we exactly can, yeah. exactly. So at least ours lived a happy life, shorter right. life. Yeah. And they were outside and they were in big, beautiful pastures. And, mm. and uh, they they had a great life. Yeah. And so there are worse choices for them. There are worse choices for them. Yes. So. Uh, uh, and, and you have a lot of people coming there. Uh, it is... It is free. You don't have any restrictions or something uh, that the government said you can't have all these people. Or... No, no, we have a special program. The county is trying to keep some farms alive because, like I said, we grow houses in this area, not not cows. 
Yeah. They made a special program called um, agritourism. And agritourism means that you allow people to come onto your property and observe the farm and stuff like that. So we are a licensed agritourism farm. And so as long as they come during business hours, then they're welcome to come. And they, and usually people call me and say, you know, can we come? Can we bring food for the animals? And they like to feed the goats and the, you know, they bring lettuce or apples or or whatever. And they're not allowed to go into the fields where the animals live, but the the animals are pretty wise to people coming. And as soon as you rattle the plastic, they're like, (laughs) (laughs) the the children are here. (laughs) And so they come up and we have, we're, we're closed on Sundays. We take Sundays off. And so we go there just to feed and then, and then leave, but yeah. the rest, rest of the week we're, we're there. And so people are welcome to come and they bring their children and they feed the animals or they, mm. uh, usually I put them to work because yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> come on. I'm like, while you're here, why don't you fill up this water bucket? Or yeah. while you're here, do the children want to come with me on the Kubota and feed all the animals? And so they love to do that. And I get yes. them involved as quickly as possible because people, people are desperate for an experience mm-hmm. and they love to be a part of it. They're like, can we carry the bucket? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <you are. laughs> I carry the bucket every day. So if you want to yeah. carry the bucket, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, and so it's really great because it it allows them to, to come to experience the real animals because we have a very large um, Indian population that, that has moved into our area, very elite, very educated, but they're not animal people. You know, they're people that were farmers were three, four generations back. And so a lot of these families that come really want to be a part of it, but have had no opportunity to be a part of it. And it's really fun to get them to come in there, you know, a little tentative to begin with, a little scared of the animals to begin with, but it doesn't take long before they're like, I petted the cow. (laughs) And so it was really great to, you know, to encourage them to see the real animals and to be a part of something and it's, it's a lot of fun to get to watch the, the wow, you know, look how big they are yeah. because so it's really great. Yeah. And, and for kids as well, that they, that yeah. they uh, learn this. I've always said if, if kids get pets, they, they learn a lot of things about themselves as well as, as well. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have many different kinds of animals. So we have, we have birds, we have chickens and ducks and, you know, creatures like that. And then we have, you know, so birds and then we have, we don't have very many reptiles at the farm, but the, uh, you know, the different mammals, the different species of mammals. And they get to watch, you know, if we have goat babies being born or brand new baby goats or something, you know, oh, they're so cute. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> so cute, baby goats are the cutest. Yeah. And then in the summer, I had one of the little goats, I trained her how to be milked. And so at camp, they got to learn how to milk the goat. And, you know, they're like, do we have to touch her? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was really funny because they're like, what do you do? I said, we just hold it and you squeeze it. And they're like, we have to touch her? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But then they can taste it. You know, it's, you know, this is where milk comes from. You can come from a cow or come from a goat or come from a sheep. 
and uh, they've never tasted the real thing. They've never seen how that happens. It just shows no. up in plastic jugs at the grocery store. <laughs> yes, that's right. They don't know where it comes from. They don't know. Exactly. Uh, or that you have to do it every day. You know, yeah, they don't yeah. just go to the grocery store and buy it. So uh, it's it's good to have a real life experience. Mm. And, uh, and then we also run a big garden in the summertime. So they get to come and pick tomatoes or uh, oh, pick wow. peppers or pull up the carrots out of the ground. And, you know, they have no experience. They have no idea what that really looks like. And that, you know, different colors of stuff, different flavors that eggs, for example, because we have chickens that lay eggs, that yeah. even eggs come in different colors. You know, mm -hmm. it can be a light green, this color, all the way to a blue, all the way to a white, to a brown, to a dark brown, to a green. And they're like, can you eat these eggs? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah. hands-on experience is the best. Yeah. And the egg is fantastic when the hens is yeah. working out, outside. And Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and they're free range. So, you know, and then you have to find them. So it's like an Easter egg hunt every day because the chickens <laughs> lay their eggs in all place. over the place. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I say, know the. Yeah, go ahead. I, I know the feeling. I also have chickens and they, and they run all over. And sometimes yeah. you haven't uh, seen all of the eggs and you find a, a big one <laughs> with yeah. lots of egg in it. Yes. Or, yeah. the, or the chicken hides them because they want to sit on them. Yes. And then you wonder where that hen has been in about three weeks from now. Here she comes with all her babies. You and it's do, like, do. oh, oh, no. <laughs> we don't uh, need more chickens. <laughs> no. no, but they are also cute. Oh, they're so cute. Truly. Yeah. Truly. Oh, what a life. Yeah. It's, yes, uh, yeah, it's a happy it's just, life. Yeah. Happy life. Mm. Busy life. But happy life. Busy, yes. How how do you do when when you get if you get sick or something? Do you have uh, people who well, help you? Yeah. Thankfully, I enjoy abundant health. Uh, I'm almost never sick, and I attribute it a lot of it to working outside for a living mm. because yeah. you're you're out in the elements, you're around the animals, and like I said, with the bacteria that comes off the animals, mm. I think it helps keep me very healthy. And you know, you're in and, and around the animals, you're in and around the manure. I was reading a scientific journal about one of the reasons why they think that as a society, we've gotten so sick and ill is because we're too clean. Yeah. With all the hand sanitizers and all, all the, you know, yeah. we're not around the real bacteria. And because most of the, most of our cells in our body are not human, they're bacteria. And the bacteria is what keeps you healthy. And so like myself and my children, we're never sick or almost never sick. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with that we're on the farm all the time. And yeah, I mean, you don't eat, eat the manure and stuff, obviously, but it's on your skin, it's on your clothing, you're breathing it in. And so we don't have, I mean, you might have a sniffle when the weather changes, but that's that's about it. Hmm. And so, but yes, we have, we have people that'll be, sometimes you don't want to go into work, but because it's a farm, you still get to go to work because <laughs> the animals still have to be fed. 
Yes. And it doesn't matter if it's Christmas or if it's New Year's or if it's your birthday or if it's really hot or if it's really cold, you animals still have to be fed every so, day. Yeah. Every day. They don't understand that it's a holiday. Wow. Every now and again, we get to sneak away. Like a couple of weeks ago, my children, I have three children and they were on school break. So they had like a week off for, for the break. And so two of the days, we went up to a friend's farm because you know, it was a different <laughs> farm. <laughs> With different animals. <laughs> different animals, exactly. And we took four of our horses and went up, tra trailered up. There it was about a four hour drive and got to ride on her beautiful farm for a couple of days. Oh, wow. And it was beautiful because they have, they're up in the mountains and you see all wow. these beautiful things. And we got to ride and, and goof around and, you know, uh, but they're laughing like, you went on vacation to somebody else's farm. I said, yeah. well, you know. <laughs> yes. But, but you live there because you love it. So why yeah. not? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, it, it worked out well. Yeah. And get together with friends and ride in the mountains. Who yeah. had experienced that? As, uh, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. How many horses do you have? I have only two now. I have, have had hundreds of horses. <laughs> yes, yes, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Do you show? Do you breed them? Do you just ride? Well, I have been breeding horses for many, many years, and I have also been a horse dealer. I have uh, imported and exported a lot of horses uh, in Europe. So excellent. Yeah, excellent. Do you have a particular breed that you like? Uh, I have been breeding Palominos, big oh, really? Palominos, okay. warm blood. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Are they uh, Oldenburgs, Hanoverians, Westphalians? No, Danish it's a Palomino. It's a that's a breed. Okay. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. We have a lot of Palominos here, but they're they're mostly quarter horses. Yes. Yes. These uh, I have. Uh, they are warm blood. They are big. Warm, warm blood. Yeah. yeah. Big horses. Yeah. Mm. Are they used for dressage or for jumping or what are they? What are they yeah. used for? Yeah. Uh, like warm blood, they they yeah, yeah. can whatever yeah. you want to do. Yeah, that's wonderful. The ba babies are so fun. I work at a big big breeding farm. When I'm not working on my farm, I work at another farm, <laughs> and he breeds uh, Arabian horses, very pure Egyptian Arabian horses. And so we export a lot of horses to Dubai and and uh, Israel and Egypt and out west and and whatnot. And so the babies are so fun. And so I don't have to breed horses myself. I get he gets to pay for them, and we breed them at his place. <laughs> and they're they're so fun. We love having babies around. Yes, really, yeah. really, that's wonderful. So, if if people wants to get in touch with you, uh, how they how do they do that? Do you have a homepage or Facebook we, group? We do. We have uh, so the name of our farm is Wildwood Farm. W I L d-e-w-o-o-d -E -O -O farm f-a-r-m uh, dot com and you can also the most current is on our facebook page it's just wildwood farm inc i-n-c and they can they can jump on there and then on there is my phone number and email and all that kind of stuff and then i welcome calls welcome visitors we have visitors that come in internationally all the time and even local people that come uh, i am a monty roberts certified instructor and so Monty is very popular in Europe, not as much popular here in the United States, 
but we had uh, over the years we used to do a lot of training with uh, remedial problem problem horses dangerous horses and a lot of people from Europe would come over at different times and would intern at the farm and we would work on training all these horses and trailer loading and bucking horses or whatever the problems were and so we used to host anywhere from two to six students full-time year-round and so we've had lots of people. We've met a lot of people in Europe. So whenever I get to go to Europe, which is not as often as it used to be, um, we'd go through and see all of our people. And so it would be fun oh. to get, get, get to go see them. And, you know, people that we still keep in touch with. Do, do they live on your farm then? Or you yeah. have a, they do? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So and you have uh, plenty of space. There, there is space. The, the farm that so I bought the farm that we're at right now, December of 2019. So there is there's an apartment upstairs in the barn uh, that has room to sleep for, and we don't use it like a B and B or anything like that. But people come to stay or come visit, then they could potentially stay there, depending on who is who is there at that time. And uh, right now we have a young man that is getting ready to be deployed to Afghanistan, and he lives there right now. Okay. But that's not he's not always there and he'll be gone for a year starting in January because mm -hmm. he's in the military. So they're, they're sending him over, over to the middle East. So prayer for protection for him and his unit, because it's pretty hot over there right now, especially in Israel. So, yeah. So that is, must be a fantastic place you have there. So. It's a beautiful place. We are very yeah. fortunate and we try to share it with as many people as possible because it's, it's good for them to get into something new, try something different. Yes. So come for a visit. If you come to America, come see us. I would love to. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very easy, uh, it's an easy flight from Amsterdam. So depending on where you are, if you're in Budapest or wherever you are, um, the, the direct flight from Amsterdam to Atlanta. Atlanta is a huge airport, big international airport. And so it's an easy hop back and forth, expensive hop, but but easy hop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like all things. Yeah, fantastic! It has been a really pleasure to hear about it, and and very nice to meet you. You also. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. It's so fantastic to hear about your marvelous farm. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you to all of you who have been listening or seeing this. And please subscribe on this channel so we can carry on to see new people every week. Thank you very much and have a great time.